Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. With PJ Coogan. Morning. The Water Boys. Oh my God, what a gig. They were on fire. They were absolutely sensational last night down the marquee. That's the gig of the year, anyway, for me so far. I imagine Rod Stewart will, will live up to that banner as well when I go to see him during the week. But the Water Boys, if you were down there, you know just how good they were last night. It was a huge crowd in the marquee for that one. Good morning. 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text, or WhatsApp. 083 396 96 96. And email opinion at 96fm.ie. I want to start off this morning by going straight back to a bit of business that we had on Friday when we got an email in from Sophie. And with the good weather uh, continuing, thankfully, even though there's a few showers around, Sophie is working from home. And when you're working from home, when you have some furniture in the garden and the weather is like this, then you'd be tempted to bring your work out into the garden, wouldn't you? If you can, if it's the kind of work you can do in the garden. So here's the email. I'll read it again that I got from uh, Sophie on Friday morning. And she said, Dear PJ, this is something I can't call you about because my neighbour's a lovely woman and she listens every day and if she heard me, she'd be mortified and I'd hate that. I work from home a lot. Every day except Monday, in fact. It's great. It's really lovely in the good weather because I often bring a few files out into the garden and just work on our outside table. The problem is my neighbour's little fella. He's six and he's on the spectrum. He's an adorable little lad. When he plays out the back, though, with his ball or with his puppy or on his trampoline, he screams at the top of his voice all the time. Now, PJ, I'm three gardens away, but it still carries over. I can't work. I can't take a phone call in that. I can't work, so I go back inside. That's fine. But then I have to close the windows because... I can still hear it. So I'm baking with the heat in my own kitchen, in my own home. Am I being mean? I know he can't help it. But should I say something? Should I should I make an approach? Like I know I'm I'm sure the poor ma'am is completely frazzled. But so am I at this stage. And that came in from Sophie, who I don't think Sophie is trying to upset or hurt or bother anybody. But you can see where she's coming from. She's trying to work 
and this noise is going on three doors down and she understands the basis of it but she doesn't know what to do. Um, I read that out on Friday morning and we got a bit of reaction to it. Particularly William, William you called us um, and and you were, you were listening to this and, and you heard Sophie's email. Morning. Morning PJ. Um, yes, uh, so I'm not asking for any sympathy here. I just wanted to explain um, our circumstances. So um, we're in a similar situation, except on the other side of the fence, of course. Um, mm. We have three kids, a four-year-old boy, autistic lad who's eight, and our daughter who's nine. Uh, our boy goes to school from nine to one thirty. Um, from day one, we struggled with getting support and services for our son. He has moderate learning disability. When we found out he was autistic, we struggled to get therapy for ourselves. I almost lost my job because I didn't know how to deal with the fact that we had an autistic child. Yeah. Therapy for our child's uh, speech and language, um, occupational therapy, entry into schools was a, a challenge the, the whole way through from, from birth right, right up to, to date. Yeah. Schools <clears throat> send him home an hour early because that's all he can manage. Otherwise, he's in bad form and unmanageable. Yeah. Um, we're in exceptional financial strain because we have to go for private therapies to get him the support that he needs. Um, I said that this has basically stifled our growth and opportunities of owning a home. Yeah, I, I, I have to say I empathise with a great deal of what you're saying because my own lad, and look, he's an adult now, but I remember being there and trying to batter the door down to get services and literally go on bended knee to try to get interventions so I can empathise very much William with with what you're going through and I'm sorry to hear it yeah um, so this has ta- obviously taken a toll on us mentally and physically um, my partner can't work uh, we can't seem, uh, see friends because our lad takes his clothes off um, he stims a lot um, because he has uh, normal autistic sensory issues and basically people uh, people look onto you as uh, why you can't control your child. Um, your neighbours are saying, okay, uh, you know, there's lots of noise. He has irregular sleeping patterns, uh, no routine in the house, and it keeps the other kids awake. He stims and jumps on the floors, keeping the neighbour awake. Um, he has vocal stimming, which uh, these people will call uh, screaming on top of their voice. Um, he plays his tablets all hours of the night and day. It's his calming mechanism. Yeah. If you took it away, then uh, you'd have a genuine noise and have something to complain about because he would go insane. I'm coming back to the email that Sophie sent and she was talking about this little lad next door to her up the, up the road from her and she said when he plays with his ball or his puppy or on his trampoline, he screams at the top of his voice all the time. Yeah, our lad does pretty much the same. Um... Our, our uh, neighbours, we got along fine in the beginning. Um, she's come over for barbecues. Um, over time, the situation obviously deteriorated. She's in a hybrid role. I'm in a hybrid role. My work understands my son is autistic, and they can ha- <clears throat> they can hear noises when we I'm in uh, management meetings and all sorts, um, and they just understand um, the situation. Mm. You work from home, yeah. Uh, in a hybrid role, so I work at home and and, and the office, and your neighbour, your neighbour is similar, yeah. Correct, yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, my work understands that sometimes I'm late for work, and that's as a result of no sleep. Um, literally, 
sleep deprived sometimes from from my lad uh, getting up all four times yeah. in the morning. <clears throat> so, um, but one thing I'd like to say in relation to that uh, topic that uh, Sophie raised was basically if you're working from um, home, you're working in a residential area. Uh, you're not in an industrial office space where it's expected there's no kids or noise. I, I think her, the tone of her email anyway, as I read it, was, look, she understands the situation with the little fella, but she's trying to work from home and she's wondering what she should do. Should she approach her neighbour? What should she do? I suppose even if you're trying to mediate with a neighbour, you, you know, us as parents, we're exhausted from it ourselves. Yeah. If there was a way we could control it, we would. But you, you can't tell an autistic child, be quiet. Um, no. It's just not possible. Um they're going to do what they want, when they want, and how they want. So, basically, in my opinion, if you choose to stay in a semi attached, expect there to be noise. Um, and that that would be my stance. Um, and we try, us ourselves, try to keep quiet between the hours of 7 and 11. But there is the odd time where it's not possible to do that. Um, and it's, it's difficult and it's exhausting for, for everyone. I think it's taken quite a dark turn now has it William in that someone has made a serious complaint and you're, you're are you facing eviction? I am yeah so um, okay. I've been served uh, notice um, for um, I have 28 days notice I've had to consult a solicitor to, because there's no way to move there's no way to live. May I ask are you a council or a private tenant? I am a private tenant and the person who complained you, and we're obviously not going to identify anybody here, William, but the person who complained you, did they, did they approach you at any point? No. Uh, I think they went through the um, P, PRTD. Um, so uh, they never made a personal approach. They just went... To PRTD, yeah. Right. And if they had come to your front door and said, look, I'm the, the level of noise is... Unacceptable. What would you have said? Look, we'll try and keep it down. Um, but we've been mediating through our landlord, and it's it's the same conversation all the time, and the same response. Because that's all we can do. It's very upsetting. I take it like any other parent in the system. You've tried to get your little boy to to make less noise. You you do what you can. I understand your position because thankfully my, my son never had habits like this, but he had his own habits. You you try, don't you? We do, yeah. yeah. We do. We we feel like we're walking on eggshells here, and um, you know sometimes the the other two kids, uh, as a consequence of trying to keep everyone quiet, get in trouble themselves, you know, and it's not fair on them. It, it, it's all because we're we're very insecure because we know that there's nowhere to go. Yes. We'd happily find another place if there was another place. There isn't another, it's such a shortage. Yeah. William, I hope that it works itself out for you and we'll, because it's legal, I guess we leave it at that. I hope something works out for you and that you don't have to leave. But come back to Sophie's email, what would you say to her? Was that getting emotional? <laughs> um, I would like, I would say, you know, um, Take your time. Just try to be mindful of the people in their situation, and and not just herself. 
she has the opportunity to go and work in work. Uh, she has the opportunity to explain to her work. There's an autistic boy next door. Uh, our apologies for the noise. Uh, I think you can hear my lad there now. I but, can. Um, I can indeed. You'll go tend that lovely boy, William. Yeah. And, and thank you for coming coming back to us. Thanks, 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 Peter. Cheers, fella. You're hard to go out with. Um, you feel for Sophie too, but definitely your heart would go out to William. Um, Bernie isn't quite so sympathetic. Tell that woman, go to work in the office and get over herself. The child needs to be protected. Oh, 818-96-96-96. I'd like your suggestions. It's come to a very dark point now where William is facing eviction. Like, that's... That's as bad as it gets. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Now, Mary, you also contacted us uh, on the back of Sophie's email. She's gone, lads, offline. When am I trying to get her back there? Mary also sent us an email, having listened to Sophie on um, on Friday. She was on one, though. We'll get her back if we can. She had another a take on it as well. Um, uh, was wondering if the listener could gently approach the neighbour. Well, let's try her again. There is she on one, lads. Now, see if we can get her there for me, Fergal, will you please? And um, just one thing, we're doing Ibiza after 10. Yeah, we're back in Ibiza. Another week of giving away, or trying to give away that fantastic week in Ibiza. Here's the tune you're listening for. The Shapeshifters. Lola. Lola's theme. That's our Ibiza song today. We'll do it between 10 and 11. That is a promise. Ah, there she is. Thanks, guys. Mary. Hello, PJ. Hi, Mary. You emailed us after hearing what Sophie was saying to me. Did you hear William? I did. And I didn't hear all of William, but I heard um, I heard the second half of it. And yeah. God, it's a very tragic story. My heart goes out to the poor man, the family. It's terrible. Absolutely. So, I mean, someone, yeah. he's, he's facing possible, evi- he's, he's fighting it with his solicitor, so we say we leave it at that, but yeah. he's facing yeah. possible eviction over this, you know? It's dreadful. It's dreadful now. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I suppose, um, you know, I, I've experienced myself personally in my, in my own family, but I also have quite a lot of experience in my work in this area, you know? Yes. And through my work, but to be honest, I have never ever come across a family who's um, sadly are facing eviction yeah. because of a problem like this. I haven't. What's your own story, Mary? Um, well, uh, so my my adult son now is the same, very much the very uh, similar age to your lad, um, PJ, and very different times and all now. But um, things really haven't changed so much. Um, I think you the 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 autism spectrum is very very wide and large, and you know um, no two children or adults are the same. Really, That's everybody right. has different uh, at different levels, and everybody have different um, rituals and everything. Um, it sounds like this young young little boy. Um, to me, it sounds like he's stimming. Um, so. Yeah. So the, the, the screaming is, it's actually, he, 
his senses are overloaded. Yeah, it's a vocal um, stimming. Yeah, yeah. It is. Yes. Now we don't. I do, we don't know enough of the story. To, I, I, I don't want to come too much, but I would ask um, if this young boy is in an ESD unit or in school um, for certain hours of the day, because oftentimes um, I know going back in in the years with my son. Um, it's when he would come home that um, all the stress and the anxieties and the um, the, the uh, sensory overload, it, you know, all it, all of that would just burst out. Then, in it, it, it might not necessarily be screaming. Um, it could be running around, or it could be getting very ang- angry. Or it could be just needing time out himself um, in a very, very quiet space. Because, you know, the reality is home is the safe place, really, isn't it? Home is your safe haven for every single human being. So that's that's where we're true to ourselves. And that's no different for a a child or 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 an adult with autism either. So I've always found that. Um, Now... The thing is, stimming. I suppose when we hear a stimming, do we do we do we like what we sometimes think of as just flapping the hands or whatever, or yeah. you know something that's very noticeable. Um, we all stim, PJ. Would you believe it's it's a human trait? You're correct. Like, You're completely. There's something I, I I have this habit all the time of my 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 legs jig up and down yep. when I'm concentrating. That's a stim. Yep. That's a stim. I'm here now, and I, I suppose talking to you, you know, on 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 radio, I'm tapping my fingers uh, on the cushion. You know, that, that's stimming. That's just a little bit of of nervousness. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Um, stimming could be sweeping, sweeping the floor. Some people, um, I remember my grandmother used to sweep the floor, and to be it'd be clean. She didn't need to, to sweep it. But that's stimming. You know, it is actually. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. But in in terms of and this look, all Sophie knows about is because he's straight. He's a lovely little lad, and yeah. but it's just this happens when he plays. It seems to be a, a vocal stim. It's yeah. poor old William would appear to be in the same situation in that his lad can be can be kind yeah. and loud. I know that when my boy was going to school, one of the brilliant SNAs in there taught yeah. him to understand the difference between. What I think they used to call it quiet voice time. Yes. You yep, know, yep. and and but you can't do that in your own back garden. So, like, do you know? Well, yeah, I'll tell you. Going back in the years as well. Now, what I what I did and what I've told lots of other parents as well is, um, visually, the the, the child understands. In, in my opinion, anyway, they understand much better if they can see yes. visually what the impact of their behaviour is having. So um, I'm sure there's very fancy names for them today, um, PJ, but I used to call them visual display cards. So I used to just... Um, so there was there was a particular time when, when my son was very loud in, in the classroom. Yeah. And, you know, the children were were, you know... They were some of them were a bit timid of him, really, because of how loud he was. And the teacher, um, she found that that she'd actually, you know, she'd get a headache. So what I did was I I made um, cards showing. I just drew very very simple 
messages to show um, the children looking a bit anxious and and the, the classroom teacher um, having a headache and just very slowly um, I did this at home now and because in, in, in my time now I'm talking 20 20 odd years ago mm. 20, 22 maybe odd, 22 years ago yeah um, so there weren't any um, it, there was only very slight access to SNAs at the time it was very difficult but anyway the reason I'm saying this is because I, I'd wonder I'd wonder with this little boy um I'd also maybe consider it with William's son. Um, communication between the, the home and the AFD unit or the school setting or wherever the child is at, the communication between the two is, is key. It really is. Um, you know, just some, see, sometimes, as I said to you on the email as well, sometimes um, as parents, we can, we can tolerate an awful lot really from our child. And I would so say much, we get used to it, Mary, not so much tolerated. We get used to yeah, it. We develop we our get, own immunity to it. We do. And, and we, we can zone out, you see. We can zone out. Um, whereas maybe in a, a different situation, that, that particular ritual wouldn't actually be acceptable. So, but there, but if, if you can communicate between the school and home... Um, you know, even in a in a diary, and just put in a little note if if need be. An awful lot can be done, really. I I personally believe. I mean, and I I can say it that lots of the rituals that my son um, used to show, uh, he he just gradually outgrew them. They do. Grow, they they outgrow a lot. Yeah. Mary, in terms of of of, of Sophie, and I I think the reason mm. the reason that she emailed me in the first place was to see did anyone have an answer as to where she might go next. Now you really yeah. don't want her to end up in a situation where that family are like William is and no. she, I, I don't think she knows them very well, if at all. She just knows yeah. what's going on. Yeah. What would you suggest that she do? Well, pers- I, it's, it's very delicate. It, it really is now and we know that. But personally, if 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 I was the mother of that young child, I would actually welcome somebody um, nicer. Actually, maybe it was just in passing if they met out on a walk or something. But I I I've always been open to listening to people. Um, I don't know either of these two ladies. I don't, but. These these conversations can be done in a very empathetic, delicate that way. Would you, would you would you suggest she do something like watch when for when she's at the front door or going in out of the car and say, yeah. Come here, can I have a word for two seconds? I, I I really would, PJ. I would. Yep. I mean, there 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 could be no harm in us. There's the lady. She's afraid the, about the woman would be mortified, um, and I have no doubt that she will be. Yeah, I'd say she will be, but she's she's from from the email part of it that you read out. She does sound to be a very understanding, empathetic person as well. Um, and I know some people they can say, "Look, you're you're aren't you lucky not to have that problem in your own your own house?" And yeah, you know, be kind. There's there's two sides to it, really. Pete, there is. You know, I mean, everybody is entitled to be able to, you know, have a quiet life with really. mm. it. Um, 
it is delicate, but if it was if 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 I was advising the lady, I would say, go and just say, could I have a word? Yeah, I yeah. would. Is there, you know, is there any way? You know, he, mm. he's he's making an awful lot of noise. Yeah. So, uh, I, is there anything? And she she might end up. The woman could end up bursting into tears because she could be at the end of her own tether. That is, that is absolutely true. And the thing about it, we can't forget either, either PJ, that the mother could be like hundreds and thousands of others waiting on the list for intervention. Oh, listen, I know. And I mean, I we, could, we could, that could be a total program to be talking about that. Oh, listen, but stop. the thing is, these two ladies could end up being friends and a little bit of support for each other. They actually could. And I'm I'm not I'm not singing I'm not singing off the holy grail here or anything now, but but you know what? Communication yeah. just Give it a try. I think we have a couple of different suggestions coming in. Mary, thank you so much for your call and your email. We have a number of different suggestions coming in for Sophie, which, by the way, that's not her real name. We even changed that because she doesn't want to identify where this is. Um, But so we've got William's suggestion, understand what's going on at the other side and how hard it can be for a parent, which is absolutely true. Bernie has... And others, Bernie, you're not the only one, has really no truck with Sophie's email at all. Just says, get over yourself, go back into the office. That's another approach. The third approach is Mary's approach. Find an excuse to bump into Mammy and say, come here. Listen, is everything all right with himself? I hear him making a bit of noise out the back and he's very noisy. Is he all right? Like, is everything okay with him? And you could end up with someone bursting into tears in front of you because they are at the end of their tether. Trust me, I've been down similar roads. Yeah, when someone comes and says, is everything okay? You're then free to say it's not. You couldn't. What would you do? Um, What would you do? I'm kind of, look, because of my own background and because of my own boy, (sighs) thankfully he never did this. I'd be in the position of the parent probably at the end of their tether tearing out with a bit of hair they had left. Would you appreciate a, a sympathetic friend two doors down kind of thing? I don't know. I don't know. Thank you for the email, Sophie. It's not her. It's not her real name. Um, and to William, I hope it works out for you. I really hope it does. And to Mary, um, sage advice too. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Been a lot of talk about uh, antisocial behaviour in the city centre of late. It came up with the Joint Policing Committee recently. A suggestion that one of those empty coffee pods uh, units down there be turned into a garden station. Come back to it in a second, but it was very sad news over the weekend. We covered it here, the stabbing incident down on Dawn Square. Uh, and that, at the at the weekend, the young lad, Jason Butler, originally from Castle Redmond in Middleton, he died uh, lunchtime on Friday at COH. Um, he'd been living at the Deer Park House Hostel in Friars Walk, attempting to move on from Hopeless, very sad story. Post-mortem was carried out on Saturday and that case will go where it goes. So, less said the best. I was coming in this morning, got the bus in this morning and I stopped for a coffee at that centre there 
just there in Dawn Square and as I came out to walk up to work there are flowers and little bouquets and little cards around the light standard there dedicated to um, to the young lad who died very sad scene broad daylight early in the evening um, now at that JPC Joint Policing Committee meeting um Councillor McNugent, I'll come back to the comments of um, Superintendent Tom Myers in, in a little while. But the call for the pods to be turned into a Garda station came up at the meeting, didn't it, this morning? Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. And just to say my thoughts with um, Jason Stanley as well Indeed. Um, at, Indeed. at this time. Indeed. Um, it did previously. I had raised it at the City Council. It was just an idea, one of the kind of unused coffee um pods on the Grand Parade. I think I had seen at the time um, news of a Garda station being opened up in the Connell Street, uh, which has since happened. Um, and, then, yeah. and when I, I raised that at the JPC meeting, the Chief Super Tom Myers thought it was, you know, it was maybe an idea worth, worth thinking about. Um, in the meantime, myself and Councillor McFinn had put a motion as well to the Council and uh, to look, and I know you, I think you discussed it last week, the, the, you know, the unused toilets yes. on Grand Parade, that they could be perhaps converted, but the reply we got was that it might be too, through the council was, it might be too costly. And um, that was worth noting that you do have Angley Street and the Bridewell and and that, you know, there mightn't be the numbers anyway from the guards to staff it, like, but I still thought, still do think it would have been an idea. No, the last... Coffee pod that was empty and the Grand Parade is used now, so that's why we were looking at the, the toilets yeah. on the on the Grand Parade. One of them has um, been used as some kind of yeah. sustain, sustainable energy office, isn't that right? And then the that's right, that's right. And the one by the boardwalk has been opened there. It's, it's um, I think it's a pizza. That's pizza right. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah. so then we were talking about the, the toilets. Um, no, I have, there is a joint policing committee meeting this afternoon as well, and which has been attended by the Garda Commissioner, Drew Harris. I'm aware of that, yeah. So, yeah, so I put in the, a number of questions, and one of the questions would be, you know, would that, you know, would it be worth looking at some mm. outreach, some hub, Garda hub in the city centre? Mm. I think that would be helpful, you know, that's our presence. I, I know comments by Senator Jerry Bottomer who said there are people saying they won't go into the city and I, I have to say I would endorse that I, I would have met people lately who tell me they just don't go into town anymore uh, at night or even sometimes by day because they don't feel safe in there. Now I know that Tom Myers pushed back at the JPC meeting yeah. according to what I'm reading and he insists he insists that the city is safe and to encourage people to come in and enjoy it and I suppose for the most part it is, but people are, when they read such ter- terrible stories as what happened to young Jason Butler in broad daylight in early evening, of course they're afraid. Yeah, that's ter- it's completely understandable and it's terrible, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a tragedy and you have to listen to the public and there is, the, there is that feedback for businesses and the public about the city centre. I was saying that, I don't think, you know, Coxley would be comparable to, you know, say, Dublin or other areas, perhaps, you know, um, in terms of issues in around the city centre. But there are issues there, and they have to be highlighted and addressed, and I think they'll be addressed at this afternoon's meeting. Yeah. I know the Advera, Deirdre Ford, is, has for a period of time has said that she wanted to engage with the Commissioner. Well, she's been, in fairness to her, she, she, oh. she said to me months ago that she wanted the Commissioner to attend a JPC, and, and, and now he is, so... 
No, he is, you know. So there'll be, I'd say, there'll be a number, you know, of questions uh, that'll be arising. Um, another one as well is about the use of CCTV. There seems to be an ongoing issue with the use of CCTV um, in investigations down to uh, GDPR, but I think that's supposed to be resolved soon, you know. But that's another question for the Commissioner and this afternoon. I'm sure th- there'll be others as well, PJ. Mm. Do you think the city is, is safe, Mick? Would you go in there on your own at night or with a couple of mates at night for a pint? I, I would, but maybe uh, maybe that's me, but um, to be others that might you know, be more vulnerable. Um, I, think it is relati- I think it is relatively safe, PJ, um, notwithstanding the tragedy that happened last week and other incidents that have mm. been highlighted and particularly anything that would happen now will be highlighted on social media. Tragedies I, like what happened. Tragedies like what happened yeah. last week. They're 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 mercifully rare. But it's it's the I smaller so. stuff. It's the smaller stuff. I remember opening the phone lines here one morning uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, do you go to town and if not, why not? And it was the small stuff. You know, like a woman coming out with duns at four o'clock in the afternoon with her bag of shopping. And her shopping is robbed, and her handbag is taken, and she's left there in the dirt. That's yeah. the stuff people look, are afraid of. Absolutely, and that's why I think that presence, um, I think that presence, that Garda presence in the city centre will be important. I think we need to see more of it, whether it's guards on the beach, whether it's guards yes. on the bikes. That visibility um, is important, and I know... I know Deirdre has made, you know, has commented herself before about in the city centre and um, going into herself, you know. So that is, it's out there, so it, it can't be ignored. Okay. As I, said, I don't think it's comparable to other areas, but I think just think we need well, a bigger. Um, it's well, you see, not comparable to other areas, and I'm going to put a word on the end of that, Mick, and you mightn't like it yet. Yeah, yeah. O'Connell I Street in Dublin is a kip. It's a dirty, filthy, dangerous oh. kip now. A place I used to love, a street I used to love long ago, is a kip. It was left to become a kip. And, and unfortunately, yeah, I, unfortunately it, we don't want Grand Parade or anywhere like it getting that reputation. Do you know what I mean? No, I think that's the key, key word, what you said there, uh, PJ. Um, yes, you know, so that's why I think... We'll be engaging with the with the commissioner today. Um, I, I, I think Garda Station on, on on Patrick Street, a small little one, or there on the corner. I think it's a fabulous idea. I think it's a fantastic yeah, idea. Yeah, I think it ju- I think it would be a resource as well for obviously Massive, for local resource. People. and for the gar- be- for the guards alone, or for a place to go as a base for themselves, rather than wandering around aimlessly miles from Anglesey Street. You know, that's, that's absolutely. It could be just yeah, it's a place for the guards themselves. They could come in after patrols. Yes. Um, it could be. Is outreach. It could be resource for tourists as well, um, oh. and I think that Grand Parade area would have been a place that it would have been important to have that presence. Okay. And you know, all right, Mick, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you, Mick Nugent, Councillor Mick Nugent uh, of Sinn uh, Fein. Throw it open. Do you think? Do you? And uh, same question. We know that what happened at Dawn Square the other night is rare and it's tragic, and our thoughts are with his family. As Mick said, they're rare, mercifully rare. But do you feel safe coming into town now? Would you let your teenagers into town on their own now? 
your thoughts, please, to 0818969696. Okay, a couple of comments in on Sophie's email, followed by William's call, followed by Mary's call, and the various things that are being said. Now, I don't know who you are, but it's not helpful. Tell Sophie, go F herself. Sorry for the vulgarity, vulgarity, but I'm fuming. Okay, right. Uh, I own my own house. I have an autistic child and another child. The noise and meltdowns coming from my house can be extreme. It can happen in the middle of the night even. I look out my window before I leave to ensure I don't walk out and come face to face with my neighbours. Their house is rented, so I don't know them. And they don't know my situation. I feel like a prisoner in my home and if my house was rented, I could be evicted. A home is where an autistic child lets off their steam. You can't stop them and in fact it's important for them to stim and leave out their noise. If Sophie's upset, imagine how hard it is for the parents to live with. She can go for a walk and get a break. They can't. Totally disagree with Mary's suggestion. The mom can't stop him. Don't make her more self-conscious. Nothing can be done. John says count your blessings you're not in their shoes. Sophie. On Willie, or William, PJ, whoever told this family they have to move should be ashamed of themselves. God love them. If it was me, I would not move. That's discrimination. Thanks, Bear. I, I, I must say I'll push back a little bit there against the fact that you can't stop a child, an autistic child, from doing things. It's very difficult, and sometimes you won't succeed. It's not impossible, though. It's not impossible. We had bad habits to deal with when himself was was young. We, there were bad habits. Um, and his mother was brilliant. His mother was fantastic. She identified that these bad habits, you you just can't do it. You can't and you can't. You see, you can't excuse it. You can't blame the autism for everything. Because you've got to, you've got to monitor the behaviour as well. So there was a lot of work done. Willie, morning to you. Hello, Peter. What would you like to say? I tell you, know, I, I've worked in the area of the disability and with autism and disturbed children. And, you know, they, uh, you have said a lot there, actually, what I was going to say, that they do need to leave off the surplus energy and uh, they have to have an amount of it, really, compared to some children. And I, as I say, I work with them, I could go home, come home at night and sleep in my bed. I know parents who haven't had a, a full night's sleep for yeah. years. And right. yeah, uh, you, you understand this better than most, and maybe better than me. But <laughs> as I say, if we could come home and, and sleep soundly. But you know, you can't keep a child inside all day. Now, the normal children know before you'd hear them out in the garden and you'd hear them playing, and you'd hear, they're all stuck inside now on their smartphones and everything. And it's rare you see children out playing. <laughs> But the, the, the autistic child needs to be out. And I don't think Sophie was being unreasonable. I think she was being very, you know, she's just looking for, was there anything that you might, you know, uh, get an answer to? And the only answer I could give to her, if she's working from home and she's feeding it, it, it stuffy inside, to buy a fan. And I'm not, you know, I mean that now. I understand, and I was, yeah. Yeah, and actually I saw, I was down the sound store there in Blackpool last week, and I saw very nice fans for 29 euros, which I thought were, you know, I know. if I yeah, needed one, I'd have bought it, but I happened to have one myself. You know, that's a, 
No. But are you saying to her that she kind of needs to suck it up? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 not to suck it up. No, 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 really. But that the child has to be left out during the day. I don't think she's questioning that at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, 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 when the child needs to get out, you can't, it can be very unpredictable, you know. He can sit quietly for ages and then all of a sudden... He needs to get out, and you do have to give them that freedom. We all need a bit of freedom, and you know, and they they do it their way, we do it our way, you know. So as I say, I think the people saying to Sophie suck it up and all that kind of thing is ridiculous. I did say I think Sophie's been just reasonable and well, looking for she, an answer. I, I think what she was doing with the email with us, and look, as I said, it's not even her real name, and yeah, she really yeah, doesn't yeah, want yeah. anyone to. But she, no, she said she's reaching out because. She wants to do this nicely yeah. if she can. Yeah. She, just, she doesn't, doesn't want to upset how. anybody. Yeah. No. yeah, she doesn't want to upset anybody. Right. And, and uh, I'd say if she was told, uh, don't go near the woman, leave her alone. Because I'm sure that woman is under, under an amount of stress there, I'm sure she coping is. with the child. Oh, yeah. I you know, you know, that's the night of it. <laughs> Thanks, Willie. Really. Take care, boy. Appreciate that. 0818 96 We have pages of uh, comments on, on this not a lot of love in the room for Sophie's situation but there is a bit of understanding and I don't think she came to us with an idea of wanting to, this to get confrontational I think she's literally sitting there going what do I do here I understand the situation but what do I do here and we'll come back to it uh, after the news Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line With Hidden Hearing Focused solely on your hearing health For over 35 years They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie Cork's 96 FM The minds are live Join the conversation Call 0818 96 96 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM Yeah, you're less than 40 minutes away, I tell you, at this stage for another opportunity to take part in our Ibiza competition. That's the song. You listen for that? I will play Shapeshifters between now and... I'd say between now and about a quarter to 11... When you hear it, you text the word Ibiza and your name to 083 Oh, I threw it out there. You think of the state of the city. You're not happy with it. And you agree that it's gone dangerous. Also, huge response still coming in to, to Sophie. Uh, i get back to all of that. Not a lot, as I said, not a lot of love in the room for poor Sophie uh, in her situation. Although... Uh, Anyway, I can sympathise. Let's go to the state of the city, though. So I was talking to Councillor Mick Nugent there before 10 about the possibility... Oh, let me do this first. Sorry now, lads. I'll go to this. I ask, I, it's not often we get asked to do this, and we generally don't do them, but every so often you get a, a message a message from uh, our friend and indeed my friend and proud to call him Dr Chris Luke uh, the other day over the weekend and he asked me to do this very very specially could I please mention Victoria Luke his other half his queen bee for a roundy birthday today I believe and to send boundless love and thanks from all her family from Chris from Kira, Nisha Eva and Harrison Luke, and have a happy, roundy birthday, Victoria. 
All right. Cork City's gone to the dogs, says this message. I don't feel safe anymore, and I'm a six foot two inch man. No Gathi, drugs and drunks everywhere, no action from the guards. And then on the other side, Shane says, Ah, stop. Cork is very safe. You might get the odd fight or someone starting on you. A lot of these stabbings and violent altercations are down to money and drugs owed for, money owed for drugs. Family feuds and stuff. Shane insists Cork is very safe. You might get the odd fight, but that's it. We always went out in the city all different times. Since COVID we stayed away, city is changing for the worse. We only go during the day. Now we leave around half seven. We go to our local. It's easier and safer, says says Linda. I'm from Middleton. I've lived in, lived in Cork all my life. I think the city centre has gone to the dogs in recent years. I walked into town last week with my wife and my small child. I was subjected to three separate instances of intimidating and threatening behaviour by drunk and drugged up people in the space of an hour. I was disgusted in my own hometown. There's a noticeable absence of Garda presence anywhere we walked. A tangible crime doesn't have to be committed in order to decide if a city is safe or not. My wife and I both said afterwards we wouldn't head into town with the children again. No Garda presence in the city means that intimidating and antisocial behaviour goes unchecked and takes hold. It has huge implications for business. Maybe our intention was to have a stroll, browse around, spend a few quid in the shops, but we just went home says Paul. Katie says there are guards everywhere at the summer show all weekend. Two of them at the roundabout in Ballincollig. They're out there, not in the city centre. Are they afraid because of the amount of antisocial behaviour? Well, I wouldn't accuse them of being afraid. Our guards are fine, upstanding and courageous people, but they're being stationed to the summer show instead of into the city centre is what I would have said. Now, Jackie, you live in the city centre um, and you have done for a few years now. Do you think it's changed? Morning. Oh, Good morning, PJ. How are you? Um, it has changed in the last five years. I've lived in the city centre for the last five years. And since COVID, it has changed dramatically. I mean, I wouldn't walk over the Grand Parade after half, three quarters of four on a Friday or a Saturday. I, any given day, really. Mm. It's a nightmare. You're stopped every two minutes. Have you? You're for a hostel and things like that. Um, you go up... Like I go into deals now and places like that a lot, you know, picking up bits for the grandkids. And um, I'm afraid of my life to go up there after half three on a Friday or Saturday because they're all sitting outside. They're on those granite blocks, you know. Yes, yes. And they're fighting with each other and they're out of their tree. And then you go down out of Plunkett Street, you're stopped at every given shop. Yeah. Honest to God, you're stopped. If you go up Patrick Street, you have people in doorways and they're shouting at you you know, looking for money and things like that. It's just like I'm in my 60s. It's scary. Yeah. It is scary. And it was never like that. I mean, there was a time I'd stroll over town there and I could meet my friends for a dinner and a drink and I'd stroll back to a half nine, ten o'clock. I wouldn't dream of it now. There's yeah. not, and then, like, we do, like, there are a couple of guards around, but we need a really strong guard presence. The Grand Parade, Patrick Street, Oliver Plunkett Street. Do, area, do you think there the should week. be, Mick Nugent is where, who started this conversation before 10, like, there's talk, calls for the development of a guard station in one of the pods on Yeah, a hub, on yeah, a hub would be great that people could go to, or that there's guards available from there and that they can see what's going on, you know? Mm. I mean, during the summer, around the Grand Parade area there at the weekends, the youngsters are just 
they're a nightmare and they they come in you know gangs yeah. and I mean gangs and they're sitting along there by the the bridges and they're drinking cans and it's just it, it's not like you I don't like my I love bringing my granddaughter over to town or one one of the grandkids you can't bring them over because they're seeing that and they're like you, you go you can't go into the peace park yeah like I wouldn't go in there any day of the week Mm. Because they're off their heads. I mean, Bishop, something Bishop, has Bishop to be. Bishop Lucy Park, you mean? Yeah. yeah, well, the Peace Park we've always called it. Yeah, just peace, alright. <laughs> um, but like, no, it is dangerous, PJ. It is, and for anybody that's a bit older, I think it's very dangerous. I, like, I go over town. I don't bring a bag with me or a purse with me. Yeah, I would be afraid of my life. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, because I have been, my bag has before has been trying to be taken and things like that. So um, it's just no, it's just not on. And I mean, we've a be- we had a beautiful city, and I can understand why people are afraid to to come in. And I mean, we get like during the college year, I we have fears problems around where I'm living here, like um, on the college nights out. You know, I mean, yeah. you get over that. Like it's great now at the moment because it, it's not happening. Mm. You know. But um, well, there's a difference between boisterousness, huge, a huge difference absolutely. between boisterous students, noisy students who are a pain in the arse until they eventually go home. There's a huge yeah. <coughs> difference between huge difference that, that and, what we're and being about. stopped. Yeah. I mean, I was my daughter and myself were going down out of Plunkett Street one day, and this guy three times he hassled us for a year over a hostel. So I turned around, and you know, I smacked us, and I said, if I should get a hostel for a euro, I said, you give me the euro, and I'll go. <laughs> you tell me where the hostel is and he kind of looked at me and in other words like to bugger yeah. off like yeah. you know yeah. and it was just and my granddaughter was looking and my grandson was in the buggy she was looking and she was saying what's wrong with him Nana I said he's just very bold That's the, that was the only yeah. thing I could say to her what do you say she was five at the time what do you say to a five year old you know yeah what do you say yeah. what do you say yeah it's All right, Jackie, thanks. Living in the city for a number of years now, city centre for a number of years, and I've watched it. I was in, actually, Friday night. I went to the Opera House to see that Siobhan McSweeney performance uh, in the play, Midsummer Festival. Brilliant. But that's just, it was fantastic. That's just a by-the-by. But I, I met a couple of pals of mine afterwards, unscheduled meeting, went for a couple of points, watched a bit of music, and I was just observing as I left town to walk for my bus um, uh, but one o'clock or maybe after one o'clock in the morning um, just the amount of people in a cruel state and I don't mean fellas pissed falling around and that's I, I, just people in a, in, in a cruel state from either way way too much drink or other things besides drink uh, yeah. and the Queen Bee was in town recently with meeting, supposed to meet some friends and uh, she said she went through all of Plunkett Street at maybe six o'clock, half six in the evening and she said, the smell of wee, whatever where the wind was blowing, the smell of wee would knock a horse. So it's rough, it is like, I mean, and I know you get accused of playing, don't be talking down the city. We're not. We want to talk it up. But let me tell you what I said about um, O'Connell Street recently and I I used to love it I used to love O'Connell Street in Dublin it was a place of character and fun and lively it was just a great place I was just, it, it's a dump now 
It's a kip. And I'll defend that those words against any dub. I was last up there uh, the second year of COVID and we stayed in a hotel the night before I went off up the north on our holidays. And I got up quite early because it was a beautiful summer's morning. Got up and went for a walk about half six. There's an early coffee shop that opens maybe, I don't know, 50, 60 yards up the road from, from the Gresham. And I know them. It's lovely Spanish girls have it. I went up for a coffee and I was sitting there reading my book in the morning sunshine. Really, just watching what was going on around me. I'm God almighty. We do not want it in Cork. We don't want it. We're like a fella, a fella trying to kick in the door of a Sentra at six in the morning looking for drink. At six in the flipping morning. Do you know? We don't want that. 0818 96 96 96. Putting a Garda station on Grand Parade, I'm all for it. Or a Garda Hoban, I'm all for it. I'd like to know how you feel. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Not a lot of sympathy for Sophie, to be quite honest with you. Many people furious at her. I wouldn't be. I'd be kind of saying, look, I can see where she's coming from here. Another thing that came up over the weekend, I was reading it yesterday, Danny McConnell, who used to be in The Examiner, is the new editor of the Business Post, and they had um, an interview with President Higgins over the weekend, and he made some comments with regard to neutrality, and he made some comments with regard to this discussion forum that's coming up and you know yourself, they'll talk about NATO and all that. Dearman says the President is taking the government to task because of an issue where they're going against the clear desires of the Irish people. The government declared war on February 23rd. Now the government's trying to convince us that we want this decision. The President is doing right by the Irish people. I was reading some of the criticism of Michael D. I was reading some of the people supporting what he was saying it's actually very interesting. People support him or not support him based on what he's saying. If if they agree with what he's saying, they think, oh, he's acting as a really great president. If they disagree with what he's saying, they accuse him of speaking out of turn as president. I said this much about Michael D. Higgins. He knows the Constitution inside out, backwards and sideways, probably in Irish and English. And his job as our, the protector of the Constitution at the end of the day he didn't. He doesn't step outside those lines easily. Do you know what I mean? Again, your thoughts are welcome. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now Susan is marking a very significant milestone. Ten years sober. Well done, Susan. Thank you. Well done. Um, your Facebook p- p- post last week said that you stumbled into brewery broken, lost, suicidal, feeling worthless. And here you are 10 years on feeling very, very grateful. Can we tell the story? Absolutely. Um, morning and thanks for having me on, PJ. Um, God, even you reading that out just gave me chills. Um, I suppose I don't actually usually use social media but when it comes to this, my sobriety, I do mark it annually because it's so important to me. Um, and God, even when you read that out, I was like, I was right there again. Um, I suppose I would have struggled with alcohol for years. Um, now, I would have been what we call in, in society a functioning alcoholic. Mm-hmm. In other words, I would have still maintained work um, and I would have been quite successful at it. But PJ was destroyed like from the inside out. Do you know, I was drinking constantly 
Um, now, this was kind of hidden very well um, because addiction is insidious and it just it gets worse. And people mm. talk about rock bottoms, but to be honest, it's a bottomless pit. And what age did you start it. drinking, Susan? I would have been about 17. Right. Um, I actually started, I'm laughing because I... PJ, I could be wrong now, but you used to DJ in Elroy's years ago. I did indeed, girl. I did indeed. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where it all started. Oh, God. <laughs> I worked. I, you're grand. I'm joking. I worked in Elroy's years ago, and I remember. I remember ah, stop, DJing. stop, stop. You're not that Susan. I, I am that Susan. Same what? <laughs> God, drive on. I, I remember saying, you now, for God's sake. You stop, yeah. So I, I started there doing glass collecting and sure I was years beyond my years, you know, thinking I was a proper little woman, loved the social scene, loved getting dressed up, loved being out and really being an adult, I suppose, but yeah. I was a child, you know. I know. Um, and I just, my drinking took off um, for many years, but I was just, I was able to hide it, but I was tormented. Like, I thought everyone actually thought, had this relationship, but I call, you know, the need to go out on Saturday night and then you had to drink on the Sunday. Had to then have go for the cure on a Monday. I thought that was normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and because it was normal actually for the people I was around, it was very normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it continued like that for a very long time. And I, I suppose, like various things happened. Like I wouldn't get into it too much detail, but I mean, my hair was falling out. I my liver started to. It was it was alarming. The results that came back for a blood test, I was able to minimise, justify. I kind of distracted from all that and said, "Oh, sure, I was on a mad one for two weeks," or you know, I was able to just dismiss it very quickly, um, until the point that I I realised I had a problem that I could not stop. And like we're talking ten years ago, so when I first sought help, services were very different. And this isn't having a golden because I'm so grateful to services because I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if, I, if people didn't help me. But there was no such thing as like dual diagnosis back then. And if there was, I didn't find it, you know. So it was either we'll treat you if you've got mental health issues or we'll treat you if you have an addiction. But we can't treat you while you're doing both. I know. Um, and I remember going to a service and they said, like, you, there's a smell of drink off you. And the shame, oh, Jesus, I never, I was, I wanted to die, like. And I was, I lied. I lied straight to the woman's face. I said, I'm not drinking. And she said, Susan, I can smell the drink off you. Um, and I was just humiliated and she said look maybe you could go here and she gave me I never forget it, she gave me like a leaflet uh, to, it was Coonvera which is a treatment centre yeah. and yeah and I thought er, this is a bit extreme now do you know I was kind of like this is, this is going too far because you said to me that you, you said to me that you thought it was normal because it was normal for you and that's fair to say but it was affecting your physical health as well as your mental health you were yes that was you know, your your hair. You yeah. said your hair was falling out. My hair was falling out, and I that's that was kind of a big prompter, I suppose, for me to seek help because I was like, "What's going on?" You know, because image was very important to me. I've no problem admitting we, we, that. You, you know, were, were you drinking seven days? Would would you? Be, oh, seven days a week. Be drunk seven days. Seven days. Well, when like anyone that knows what but I'll call that as an addiction, I suppose your tolerance is so built up. Yes, that you're kind of nearly just stable. Do you know? Yes. You're, like, if you met me, we'd say you 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 might get us another drink, but I could say to you, sure, I did last night for a few, and we you just move on. Do you know you wouldn't think anything of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously that didn't that didn't stay static. Like it did get increasingly worse. You know, and when they told me, I remember the, the doctor rang me, sorry, and they said, oh, your liver results have come back, and there's serious indication of alcohol abuse. Oh, and I just thought, how dare you? I'm changing doctor. I was like, that's. 
terrible um, not realising the veracity. But also, like, I needed it. I needed alcohol. It was my soother. Like, think of the baby. That's the way I describe it to my own clients today. Like, it's it, that was my my soother that helped me survive life. Like, I'm, I'm in recovery, but I'm not anti-drink. I'm not anti-anything. Do you know what I mean? Yes. But what I am is, like, we need to look at the relationship we have with the substances. And I suppose for me, what I permitted me to do was to be able to be vulnerable, to feel, to cry, to be sad, because I couldn't be those things normally. If I had a few drinks, I could, and it was all, no mentioned it, it was all forgiven, and we all drove on the next day. Yes, yes. Do you know? You were ne- never and getting to the things, issue, though. No, never getting to the issue, not at all. And the, I'm just kind of, like, as I said, normalising it with your friends. We say, I'd meet you today, I'd meet... Johnny, tomorrow I'd meet Mary Wednesday, you know, and we'd be going for a few drinks. So it was a social thing for a long time, like as in going out. But then it came into the home, and that's when it really escalated. Um, the wine, like in the evening, and the panic. When we're, do you remember when the office first closed early? Oh, my God. 10 God. o'clock, yeah. Panic. Yeah. Like, I used to be like, oh, my God, God. I need to get, I'd get multiple bottles. And then I was hiding it, like the secrecy crept in. I was buying multiple bottles and swapping an empty one out for a full one before my, he's now my husband, my boyfriend came home and constant deceit, you know. But I suppose that I'm saying all this now, like as if this was very conscious at the time. I was not at all aware of this, you know. I was insane and I was very, very sick. Um, My self-worth was on the ground. My impression of alcoholism would have been like people that can't control themselves, which couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, it's actually what I've come to learn in over my journey is it's actually people in pain. Do you know, people are suffering big time, like, and not just with alcohol, with loads of substances and with process addiction, you know, behaviors as well. Yeah. Um, and there's a huge judgment to it, PJ. Like, we shame people so often. And I was even listening earlier, and, and I, we were talking, I was listening about the city and, you know, how it's, you know, it's gone downhill and it absolutely is. And, um, but like, what I see when I walk down, is just pain everywhere yeah. and people suffering. That's true. You know? That's true. Nobody nobody woke up in the morning and decided that that's what they wanted for themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely not. People are destroyed. Like, they, that's not living, do you know? Like, and I, the only way I'd ever look down on someone, PJ Boy, if I was trying to help them up because they're going for the grace of God. But like, you know what it is, Susan? I think when you're walking with your children or your grandchildren down Absolutely. a street and you see this, Yes, you know that's a person in pain. Yes, you know that's a person who never woke up and thought, this is where I want to be. But that's also a person who might pull a knife or a broken bottle on you. And you have to protect yourself. And I agree completely. And I always say to people, like, I work with a lot of concerned persons now uh, today, PJ, like, I don't condone any of the behaviours that are associated with addiction because none of that's okay. Absolutely not. And people can, like, there has to be consequences, you know, and Mm. people have a right to be safe. Everyone has a right to be safe. Do you know, mm. so I I agree with that as well. But I suppose the the lens I come out, I'm just a very compassionate, like obviously because of where I've come from. Do you know what I mean? I know. Um, and from the way I experienced it, and it is so insidious. Like people think they're grand, and as time goes on, like in a matter of months, yeah. they are completely dependent and they can't stop. You said your your, your boyfriend, your husband, now Mark. Like, was yeah. he saying to you? Like you, one of the one of the notes I have here is that you, the the wheelie bin was too heavy to push, because it, yeah, it was full of bottles and and like, yeah. was Mark saying anything to you at the time or did he? Oh, ever, he was. Yeah. 
Oh, he yeah. was absolutely like Mark would have. Um, Mark would have gone up in a, a different area to me, different parts of Cork, actually, or different parts of Ireland. He was he's from from Kerry, and when I first got, started going out with him, it was a social thing. When I met him, you know, so it was like on the lash out, great fun times. But then when the relationship started to continue, he kind of was getting like a bit alarmed, and he would say to me, "Come here, just give it a break now tonight, you know, like yeah. leave off the wine now tonight." And obviously, those conversations got very serious. Do you know what I mean? Because it was very difficult on him, and I would just. I would try to dismiss him or I would try I'd lie as well you know, to, be, to be totally honest I'd have to lie I'd say I wasn't drinking or I only had a glass um, and it, like it does an awful lot of damage to family members like uh-huh. I work with a lot of concerned persons and people are demented you know they're worried about their partner's safety they don't understand it they're like I thought they love me if they love me why wouldn't they stop I've asked them to stop you know they can't um, stop taken on. no you can't you absolutely can't so he did like he, he had multiple conversations um, and I, I suppose my kind of thing was like, God, I think we need to break up, Do you know? Now, I love him dearly. Like, he's he was the love of my life. But I was like, I needed alcohol. I love alcohol. And it was my protector. It was my protector for my whole life, Do you know? For- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And here, and here he was, a man who loved you and who you loved back. Here he was saying, you need to watch it with the drink. You were in a situation, I think, Susan, that alcohol was your best friend. And you were, at a, you were at a point in your life where it was going to be your only friend. Absolutely. And I could not let it go, PJ. I could not let it go. I was just like, I can't, like, it's just, it's not an option. I cannot imagine, like, having to be sober in this world. I so cannot, that, that's not who I am. What was the turning point? Actually, no, let me, let me take a commercial break. Because I want to get okay. to, I want to get to the turning point. Okay. No All right. I'm talking to Susan Galvin, who, God, I knew a hundred years ago. Um, but uh, she's 10 years sober. And we're get, going to get to the point where where it turned for her. She was a helpless alcoholic at the point in her life where alcohol was about to become her only friend, let alone her best friend. We'll talk more in a couple of minutes. Join the conversation. This is The Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. So back to Susan, 10 years sober and it, got to a point where alcohol was all you had left in the world, even you were trying to, you were thinking about breaking up with Mark and, and, and all that. Was there a point, Susan, where you realised I have to do something? I suppose what happened was I did, I actually did, I did go into treatment after that interaction I had with that mental health um, professional for three months in, in Cork and I came out and I felt whole and I was like, this is amazing. I feel great and I don't want to drink. Um, and within about two weeks, I was obsessing with drink, wanted to drink again. And I drank 
and I relapsed. And within six weeks of being out of that treatment centre, I was on the phone to Rory, begging, pleading with them to take me in. Um, because I just, I, I remember I was sitting down through the back of the cabs yeah. and I was talking to a man, and an alcoholic, and I was chatting to him and he was telling me his story and I was saying, sure, I was, I'm destroyed, I'm a compulsive liar, everyone hates me, like I might as well just kill myself. And they rang me back and said, we have a bed on Friday for you. And Mark offered to drop me up to Brewery and I said no. Um, the reason I said no, PJ, in total honesty, was because I needed to drink. Um, so I did, and I drank the whole way up. I got off at Rourke's Cross, never forget it, and a taxi picked me up. Which, it was actually it was so strange because there was a man and a woman and they were an elderly couple. You know, I was steaming. And I got into the cab and I said, look, this couldn't be a taxi. And of course I was like, oh, there's been a mistake. I need to go back to Cork. Um, and to be fair, if they're out there listening, they dropped me to the treatment centre and the lady gave me an Our Lady medal. You know, I'm not very holy, but I am quite spiritual. And dropped me off the door and I woke up the next day in there and I was like, oh, no. You were drinking, um, you were drinking in the taxi on the way out to brewery. I was drinking on the, I was drinking in the taxi. I was drinking on the bus up. I was drinking in the petrol station while I waited for the taxi. And then when they picked me up, I jumped in and was being like, I protest too much. Like, I was like, no, 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 it's a mistake. I need to go back. And the two of them were like, absolutely not. And they drove me. I don't know who they are. I don't even know their names. Mm. Like, just saints. And they dropped me to the door. And the next day, I woke up in the treatment centre. And when you turned up at the door of the treatment centre, steaming. Steaming. What did they say to you? Because I, I thought, I, maybe I'm wrong here, I thought you have to be sober. I thought you have to be dry for a couple of days before they'll take you in. And you're right. Um, the first time I went in, I was sober. I was seven days sober. Um, but I think, again, I think it was divine intervention or whatever you want to call it. The universe looking after me. They took me in. And all I remember is, like anyone that's been to any of these um, facilities, they're very religious. Uh, they're religious run anyway, do you know. And there was a choir practice on, and I went up and sure I was singing and everything. They were like, "Oh my god, get this one down to detox." And I'm down to detox, and I woke up the next morning, and oh my god, I was like, "No, I need to leave." And they were like, "They, they, were, they didn't tell me I couldn't leave, but they persuaded me heavily." Thank God. And during that treatment. I got a different experience. Like what they spoke about was more about acceptance instead of fighting. Do you know, I fought my whole life. Do you know, like I was a survivor. I fought with everything. But suddenly this acceptance was a different perspective that I could just, if I surrendered and accepted that I had this problem, that I could actually get well. And they did a lot of psychoeducation with myself and Mark came up to visit me around the relapse rate and how like it's actually quite normal for people to relapse after doing a treatment yeah. Center, you know. And um, this was all news to us, you know. Like I just felt like that I was just I was the worst of the worst. Like I got in and got help and look at the stadium you now again. Um so that gave great insight and kind of hope. So when I came out then after the three months, I said, Look, I'm a very logical, rational person. And they said you have a ninety percent chance of in of relapsing. If you do three months out here, that drops to we say sixty and so on and so forth. Yes. So I literally did out a, I did a program again for myself when I came home. So this now would have been six months in residential treatment. Six locked months. In, My God. In total. And I needed every day of it. Every day. And then I came out and did three months again and I went to meetings and um, I would go to three meetings a day and by ten, I'd never forget it. I'd watch the clock and when it was ten o'clock on the clock I'd feel safe because the office was closed. And I'd go into bed and I'd say, right, that's another day done now. You have a chance. You have a chance now. You have a chance, girl. One day, literally one day at a time and sometimes one hour at a time. 100% second at a time, do you know. And thank God, here I am today from, do, do you know, doing that and following those steps. 
And, and, and now I help others. Yeah, you've, that's tra- how I you've well. trained now as a counsellor, have you? I have, yeah. I wow. um, I gave up everything. I gave up, like I was in retail management for years. And I came out and I was like, I can't go back to that because that would, you know, that would be all triggers and I'll just fall back into... Yeah, they always say, don't they, that you can't revisit where all this started. 100%. And it, like I, it is, well, for me, it was certainly true. And I don't speak in uncertainties because it, this is a very individual thing, like everything is, you know. Yes. But for me, um, I had to start again. So I went back and I was terrified. I was like, oh my God, I can't do this. Back to college and um, I went to UCC and then I went on and got my Bachelor Honours degree. And, you know, I'm fully accredited with ACI and I have my own practice. Um, but at the forefront, for me, what I the reason I I'm, was happy to speak to you is because what I want to promote is like compassion and kindness and recovery. And, you know, we're all human beings at the end of the day and people are suffering in silence. And any time I do something like this, the amount of, and it's women in particular, PJ, that reach out to me that are crippled from, from the four walls of their house and no one knows, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's an awful lot of shame attached to it for females. No, I'm not disregarding men at all, but definitely for females because it's not acceptable where there's a social norm that we need to kind of be this, that, and the other. And we're, we're we can't, we're not obviously for an addiction. Do you know what I mean? Someone um, who works in retail that I know for many, many years. Remember the time they brought in minimum pricing for alcohol there a year yeah. or so ago, and we were discussing one night whether it would work or not. And he said to me, here's a a statistic from my work over the years, he said. The highest amount of cheap wine, cheap to middle-priced white wine, is bought by women in their mid to late 30s who are at home with a couple of kids. Kids are gone to school. They're flooring a bottle of wine, sleeping it off. And when the kids come home, they continue with their day. I was horrified. And I'm not even remotely surprised because that's exactly what I see and what I've experienced. And oh it's funny you said that about the minimum pricing because I remember years ago it would have been kind of like, you know, when I had a bit of grandiosity about me, I'd be going into like Marks and Spencer's, you know, for the dine for two to try and conceal the fact that I was buying the wine. But then when Aldi and Little came, no offence, Aldi and Little, I shopped there all the time. But when wine was about three euro, do you know, and like I have to have a bit of humour about it because if I, I was to think about how bad this was, you'd be demented. Do you know, know what I mean? I know, I know. I, when I'd be buying bottles of it and delayed, I'd be like, oh my God, like, look at that, brilliant, three bottles for 10 euro, happy days. But like the damage it does, I mean, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, I was lit, I was destroyed. I was on the floor. And today, like, I, like, Jesus, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, um, I don't get away with like life's problems. We all have problems. Do you know what I mean? But if I don't drink, I have a chance. And if uh, I help someone, I have even more of a chance. I asked a man a question here one day on the show, Susan, before I let you... Uh, by the way, I think you're absolutely brilliant. And if, if you want to say where people can contact you if they, need, if they need help, I'll do that in a minute. I asked a man here one morning on the phone, when did he last have a drink? And he said, 27 years ago. And I said, well done. He said, when did you last want a drink? He said, about an hour ago. Oh, yeah, 100%. Can you go through that, too? Oh my God, I miss drink all the time. Absolutely. And I say to people, and people say to me, no, I don't miss it at all. I'm like, okay, you're either very lucky or, or are you really being honest with yourself? Do you know, I went to a meeting in America there. I went to Boston in the summer and I went to a meeting. I, went to experience, I just wanted to experience the A meeting over there, you know. And they were doing this whole chip thing calling out how long are people around? And because, like, look, time is only time at the end of the day, but I wanted to go for the experience. But they got down, the, they were saying six months, three months, whatever. And next thing, Aaron says, 
24 hours, no shame now, no shame. I was like, okay, he could have done without putting that on it. So I stood up and I said, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm only sober since I woke up. So I take the ship. And that was my nine years last year. And they were all like, oh, in shock. I've never heard a line to beat. <laughs> Susan Galvin, I've talked to a lot of people over the years about this and, and, and Michael Gearan is a friend of the show and a friend of mine and he's come up with some beauties over the I've never heard a line like that I'm sober since I woke up and that's nine years in yeah that, yeah, and it's true that's you amazing know, that's, that's an amazing line Susan I, I compliment you on that thank you thank you but like yeah it's 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 a great gift the brace is a great gift and the reward that too many mentioned you know but the work is is, is immense and that man that said that to you Jeez, I can identify with him all day, all day, every day. Do you know? You just, but you just have to play the tape forward and say, "Hang on, if I do, what about this?" Do you yeah, know? Yeah. I'll find other coping strategies, which sounds very simple. <laughs> if anybody is listening who wants to reach out and just talk to you, they'll find yeah. you on they find you on Facebook, or you say you say you have your own place. I have my own place. The the best place to find me is on my website. Um, so it's personsupportedtherapy.com. Um, but people can message. People always message me on Messenger. There's, if anyone wants to get in touch, I am genuinely. I just I'm not saying I'm a saint, but I really do like like helping people because it's it's. I would have loved if I met someone ten years ago, whereas I just got doors shut in my face. Do you know what I mean? Right. Everyone has a chance and everyone's worth it and there is hope. All right, listen, you, know? you look after yourself. Well done again. I will. Well I done. will. Thanks a million. Take nice care. Nice chatting to you, Cheers. Bye, Take care. Bye-bye. That's Susan Galvin. That is in, I've done this job a long time and we've talked addiction hundreds of times. I think that's probably the bravest thing I've heard anybody say, I'm sober since I woke up this morning and she's 10 years down the road. 0818 96 96 96. Win your way to a week in a beat. Yeah. Week in a beat. <laughs> Just watch me dance. Only on Corks 96 FM. Could all be yours. Seven nights at Wiki Woo. Tickets to David Guetta, to Joel Curry, to the Ocean Beach Pool Party, dinner at Cafe Mambo, all that sunset stuff. We've more qualifiers coming this week. Rosemary is in ovens. Hey, hi, Rosemary. Hi, PJ. Have you ever been to Ibiza? No, I've never been. Would you like to go to Ibiza? Absolutely, I'd well, love to go. The best I can do is put you in the draw. How's that? Oh, that would be fantastic, PJ. Right. Well, you're in the That's draw, Rosemary. I'm pushing on it because I'm flying for time here. But you are in the draw for our oh. week in Ibiza. So well done, to you. well done to you. You'll be hearing more from us. Thank you. The, the draw, the big draw is next week, by the way. Early next week, you'll find out. Rosemary Carroll, Simon 11 will qualifier later on, as will Lorraine. Caught for time, so we're going to move on. I need to talk to Stephanie. Stephanie has set up a group called Babes Without Beers, uh, organising alcohol-free events. Um, she's from Dublin originally, but she is trying to set up in Munster, trying to set up in Cork at the moment. And it's open to everybody. It's open to women, non-binary, LGBTQ, the whole lot. But for people who just want to go out and socialise but don't want to drink. And Stephanie, it's it's not that you don't drink anymore, is it? Good morning. Yeah, so I'm actually, I do drink occasionally still. Um, I do practice mindful drinking if I am drinking. Um, that just kind of entails just checking in with yourself and not drinking too much and just kind of 
like kind of checking in with your reasons for drinking and that kind of thing. Um, but mostly I don't drink. And um, when I did want to kind of um, cut back on my drinking, uh, I just found it a bit isolating because I was kind of found that I was just going on sober nights out with my friends and I just wanted to kind of attend like more sober events and that kind of thing. But it was a bit daunting and that kind of just led me to um, starting this community. Was there a point where you were worried about your drinking? Well, it was actually more so, I was just kind of uh, during and after COVID, um, like during COVID when we were locked down, I was like drinking a lot with my housemates and I think binge drinking is actually unfortunately kind of the norm in Ireland really. Um, we were just drinking a lot at the weekends and then kind of when things opened up again, it was nearly like we were rushing out to go to the pub and go go out the whole time and it was like everyone was trying to like catch up on the missed time <laughs> just drinking, drinking like non-stop and I kind of just um, was just mentally feeling like really down and really anxious yeah. and I ended up going to therapy and when I was in therapy I kind of just realised that drinking just wasn't doing me any favours um, if anything it was just making me more depressed and more anxious yeah. and I kind of decided then that I had to make a change Because costing you a fortune as well Yeah that too, that's another big thing <laughs> So then you went and started consciously saying okay I'm not going to drink tonight and you went out with your mates what was the problem then? What happened? Like, what what response did you get to that? Yeah, well, it was still, like, it's still fun going out occasionally and not drinking, but, like, you just kind of want something more, I think. Um, people are generally supportive. Sometimes people look at you like you're two heads. Just, <laughs> I'm not drinking. They'll be like, oh, why? Like, what's wrong? Are you, like, on antibiotics or whatever? But um, most of the time, people are generally supportive. But it just gets kind of a bit, like, not like maybe a bit boring really like kind of if you are trying to cut back I feel like you kind of just want to meet other people who are kind of on the same wavelength you're looking to who have either completely quit alcohol or who are just looking to drink less because at least you know they're kind of around at the weekends and like they're not hungover so if you want to (laughs) bring someone to go like for a walk or like go get coffee in the morning or whatever you know that like that friend group will also be around at the weekends and not be kind of just dying in bed on a Saturday so when it wasn't that comfortable going out with your existing company, how did you go about setting up babes without beers then? So I kind of just, uh, like after Christmas time, it really kind of dawned on me that I was kind of just sick of um, just going out sober and kind of thought about what I might be able to do to make a change there. And I saw actually um, an Irish girl in Vancouver um, was running something similar, like a sober meetup over there. And that kind of inspired me to start something here. Um, I just kind of made an Instagram account. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if anyone would see it. Um, and I just shared um, a, bray, a walk up Brayhead in Wicklow. Um, and a few people turned up to that. <clears throat> and then we kind of just went from there. Um, we had a charity shop crawl then uh, shortly after that um, through Dublin. And then since then we've had some craft events and some other things kind of going on. And now we're doing um, even a pride event in Galway. That's going to be one of our first events outside of kind of Leinster. Yeah. Yeah. And would the people coming to the events, would they be people who had a drink problem or people who were in treatment or in recovery? Or would they just be people like you who were a bit, just wanted to drink a bit less? 
Yeah, it's a real mix of people because we do have a lot of people who um, are in recovery for alcohol abuse. Um, we want that it to be a supportive environment for those people too. Um, but we also have loads of people who are just kind of, um, would be like myself, like they'd only have the occasional drink. It's just, they just don't want their social life to revolve, like completely involve drinking every single time they yeah. <laughs> meet their friends. Um, so there's a lot of people kind of in different um, positions really, like yeah, again, some people who are in recovery and some people who are just looking to drink less or maybe people who just don't really enjoy drinking that much. Yeah. So it is a real mix of people. You, you say we've a culture that's obsessed with alcohol. Do you think obsessed is a fair word? Well, I think looking around like most of the time, yeah, kind of, I think we are kind of a bit obsessed with alcohol because like every social event and every gathering, like if it's sunny, it's like, oh, we need to go drink cans by the canal or if it's cosy in wintertime, you want to go to the pub and have pints and, you know, if you're having a bad day, it's like, oh, we'll go out and have a drink or if you're having a good day and you want to celebrate, it's like, let's have a drink. Yeah. And there's actually like kind of starting to be a sober movement now and I'm seeing more and more sober events popping up, mainly in Dublin because that's where I've been living for the last while, but um, I'm seeing more and more sober events popping up everywhere, really. I think people are kind of looking for that. I think people, a lot of people are in the same position as myself and are kind of just sick of it. And they're sick of like the toll it takes on their mental health, their physical health, their bank account and all those yeah. negatives. And they're looking for something a bit different now because there's people are so into drinking. There's a new term, uh, well, at least it's new to me, sober curious. Yeah, <laughs> so that's kind of part of this whole sober movement. Stephanie, that doesn't create a nice image. That The image that creates, and I'm not being smart here, the, Im- the image that creates is, it's so unusual to wake up without a hangover. Is that where it came from or is it just something else? I'm not actually fully sure. <laughs> I only came across that term myself when I kind of got into this whole um, kind of thing. So it's, I think it's more about like, it's, I think it's really just kind of wanting to know what maybe like a life with as a sober life or a sober lifestyle would be like. So you kind of want to maybe practice periods of sobriety where you might stop drinking for a few months at a time um, or you might try and like cut back on drinking. I think it's kind of like people who are dabbling in like the world of sobriety yeah. as opposed to just going full swing into just completely quitting alcohol. Yeah. It's a bit like sometimes you go, all right, I've got such and such a thing on now. Uh, I'm not going to have a drink now while I'm getting ready to go on my holidays. I'm not having a drink for the next month. But then there's Tom's birthday. And, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, like, that's kind of yeah. it. So maybe Tom's birthday could be held at a sober, curious event. So where's the movement now? What parts of the country are you in? I'm actually from, well, I'm originally from Westmead. I'm living in Mead. I just moved back from Dublin. So <laughs> currently we're kind of uh, doing most of our events around Mead and Dublin and Wicklow. And I'm also, as I said, um, running an event in Galway for Pride once, which will be, um, we'll be announcing that soon. But like I'm kind of looking at expanding. I would like to start running events like mainly hikes um, outside of Dublin and kind of maybe I'm looking at maybe doing some camping trips and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, I also have launched uh, WhatsApp groups because um, when I when I did launch this, I had people from all over the country writing to me, and they were all saying like, "Oh, I'd love like something like this around me," or even to meet people who are kind of like those people who don't drink. We're like, "Oh, I, I haven't drank for like six years or six months or whatever it might be." Um, and I'd love to connect with other people who don't drink as well. So I launched a regional WhatsApp chats. Um, and the purpose of that is to try and get people to kind of like 
uh, basically it's based like if you're in Lancer or you're Munster or wherever and um, there's a regional chat and you can kind of just um, connect with other people in your area mm-hmm. by just letting people know in the chat hey I'm from this town or from this county and um, my interests are like hiking or swimming or I like to like do crafts or whatever it might be and uh, then you can like use that chat to connect with other people who okay. are in your area that might want to like meet up for something like say you want to meet up for lunch or you want to go for a walk or whatever it might be so if anybody's listening at the moment who might be interested uh, here in Cork, what's the first thing they should do? So if you contact us um, through Instagram or Facebook, Babes Without Beers, um, on both, uh, we will send a link then and you can then join the regional chat for your county or your area. All right. Let us know if you do plan an event in Cork, Stephanie. I will. I hope to soon. <laughs> I'd love to. Stephanie, wish you well with that. I will talk again soon. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks very much. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Couple of notices for you. Uh, please let people know that the Kaylee Kush Locker will be back for the summer at the lock this Wednesday, half past seven, and then every Wednesday until the middle of August, weather permitting. That is just the most wonderful fun. Kaylee uh, Koshlocha, and loads of people come, and tourists come and, and take part. And it's wonderful, wonderful crack. And it starts again this Wednesday at the lock, half past seven. Also, got contacted over the weekend by old pal Michael Lee. Uh, Michael wants to wish Aideen Mullins, we've had Aideen on the show, Aideen Mullins and the Irish squad of 17 people representing Ireland and the Siam Warriors Club. They're in the WBC Muay Thai Boxing World Amateur Championships in Venice on June 21st, that's Wednesday, to 25th. Please wish Aideen also a very happy 17th birthday today and all the very best of luck in the competition. From the Mullins, O'Donoghue and Lee families at home and abroad and especially Aideen's Nana E. Happy to mention that. Best luck to Aideen. We had her on the show and her mom on the show a couple of times over the last year or so. And one last one, Michael was on. There's another scam going around to see where the regulator has been giving out some figures of how many people were caught in scams. It's, it's quite scary. I'll, I'll try and get to it before the end of the show today. If not, I'll do it tomorrow. There's a new scam going out around the place. Now, this is from the Garda Siakana Investigative Unit. We've noticed unusual activity on your bank account. That's texts arriving on people's phones. That's absolute nonsense. It's nonsense. It's a scam. Thank you for that. Also, oh, it's a call. It's a call. You get, oh, my goodness. Also, there is a, an Amazon scam going around at the moment, too, where they claim to be giving out big vouchers worth large amounts of money. They're not. They're not. 0818 96 96 96. Now, we got a video sent to us, was it Friday, with an explanation of what is in it. And it is one of the most frightening things we've seen in a long time. Um, it's it's an assault, uh, quite a vicious assault on a taxi driver, and it 
it's a wonder that the man wasn't seriously hurt or worse in the course of this assault. And we've been contacted by both the driver and by Bobby Lynch from the Cork Taxi Council. I will talk to Bobby in a moment. But Junaid, that was that was your taxi. This happened to you in East an East Cork suburb. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? It's PJ. Describe to me. You're okay, mate. Worst mistakes have been made. Describe to (laughs) me what happened to you. Um, is I was uh, just uh, taking the fella home, um, and then he the he handed me twenty euro while I was driving. Okay. And uh, fear was uh, I was like, okay, um, he looks uh, reasonable. Like he handed me twenty euro. He straight away got in taxi and like, okay, I did the remaining amount, whatever the fare we can, uh, when I finish dropping off and then he gonna pay me. He had the money. I saw it. And once I drop him, the fare was 37 euro. I, I say to him, look, that you owe me 17 euro more. Yeah. And then he just straight away refused. He say, I don't have the money. I say, what you mean? You don't have the money. It doesn't work this way. Like mm. I say, look, I don't want to argue with you. And, Let's go to the Garda station and we can settle down there. And then I start driving off. And I, once I got up the, out of the state, um, then he just straight away gave me back my 20 euro. So he I wanted say, back the 20 euro that he'd already given you? Yes, he was. I want my 20 euro back before we go to the Garda station. <laughs> That's it. Um, I didn't give me a chance to like. I was continue. I was driving, and he just punched me. Yeah, um, slapped me. Uh, yeah. The the, the, the video I, I should say, Junaid, the video is one of the worst we have seen, and we get sent a lot of videos, and I've seen a lot of taxi videos over the years. It's it's one of the worst we've seen or heard. We we can't unfortunately share it. We would like to be able to, but we can't. But the man is literally battering you, dig after dig. After dig, after dig. Oh, yeah. Look, it was very... Every time I see the video, it's everything fresh in my head. Like, you know, it took me few days to send the video. I wasn't going to uh, go on a media like that because mm. when I sh- shared the video with my friends and they were like, you have to go. Are you all right? It's not just about you. Are you all right? I am. I am uh, still. I my doors are locked when I'm going through the city. Yeah. I'm not picking up anyone. I like. I had to talk to the fella. Where is he going to? Is he looks fine? Yeah. When I feel safer, then I unlock the door and let him in. Yeah. Because you, you know? can hear. Uh, you can hear the impact of punches. He, he must have been oh hurting God, badly, was he? It, it, to be honest, I was like, I I don't know how could I manage to stand like, you know, he, he I was bleeding straight away. Like, you know, once, uh, thank God that the other taxi fell, I stopped and. Uh, yeah, describe what happened. Somebody else stopped. Yeah. So, yeah, I was going, uh, when I saw that taxi, other taxi, um, I straight away go after him and start beeping the, and flashing him. Uh, he thank God, luckily he stopped the car. At the same time, I was uh, controlling that punches, uh, blocking my face to get more damage. And 
and the beeping the horn like i was going through so many things at the same time luckily yeah. uh, he got up and he helped me yeah um it, it was hard. like i show the video my wife she couldn't even watch the complete video and she was like shaking and i was like she was don't show me the video again like it's horrible yes yes sir, was I, I, I watched i watched it this morning i couldn't believe it i you know it's he <sighs> was he wasn't going to stop like i was delighted the taxi driver was there otherwise it was in the middle of nowhere it could be worse like what if he had the knife is is just i wanted to talk about like what could we do to protect taxi drivers yes. because we have no protection at all regarding like this yes uh, it's it's crazy have, and the have you guards have i you, had to call the guards twice yeah 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 the, the the video did it was it from your how you have a camera in the car? I take it that's where the video came from, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That you. was a dash cam. Yes. Dash cam car. Okay, so we didn't actually see, we could we could hear it rather than see. Let me bring in Junaid. Thank you. And as I said, we'd love to have shared the video. We just we just can't for we were advised we can't. Um. So Bobby, this is a horrifying story. Just to summarise again for listeners, what happened? Chap gets in the taxi, wanted to go to where he wanted to go. He gave Junaid 20 euro and then when they got to the destination there was another 17.50 on the clock. He refused to pay it. Junaid said, right, we'll go to the guard store and see what they have to say. Then he starts demanding his 20 euro back. He starts battering and punching Junaid over and over and over and over again. Junaid then managed to flag down or flash the lights and beep the horn. Another taxi driver came to his, came to his rescue and the man is just very, very, very shook. Very, very, very shook. Bobby, this is not uncommon, I think, is what you want to say to me. Good morning. Well, it's, Warren PJ, it's, it's not uncommon, but there's, it's happening, and it's happening too often, and a lot of drivers aren't reporting this because there's nothing being done about it. And I'm afraid if nothing is done about it, are we going to wait till some driver get killed, murdered? Yeah. It's looking that way, but we, there's no safety there for us. To, and the, like a lot of our customers that we do pick up in the weekends are very well behaved and they respect what we're doing. But there's, there's a, a few out there that just don't like taxi drivers. They make up stories about taxi drivers. People like this fella, like, we're looking at it, but we're, we're not talking about it death this morning. Well, know? as Junaid said well ago, he said, what if he had a knife? Yeah, exactly. What if he had no. something on that he could have stuck? No. And, and what if that other driver didn't come along? Well, I spoke to the other driver that came along, and he told me, he said, Bobby, are you was a scale of my life? He says, to even a portrait, because you, your mum is just a raving lunatic. Yeah. But... Uh, like, like the, that's the stuff that we are putting up with. And, like, there's no one there. It's not the girls' fault. And they will say that it's not the girls. It's just that the girls aren't there. And the girls haven't got back up for themselves if, if they run into trouble. And, like, what's, what's like, we, we can all talk about it. I was on with Neil this morning, Mom, with you know. We can talk about it and highlight it. That's all we can do. But it's up to the people in, in, in like our ministers. We have three in Cork. What are they doing about, do, do, doing about it? They do nothing. Yeah. 
What What do you think needs to happen, Bobby? What What needs to happen? First of all, we need more girls out there. They got there was listeners uh, ringing in there out to both stations this morning, saying they were in the summer show. That's right. The place The place was a wash with girls. That's right. So, so why on the way on the outside the night? You go to Manchester, there's girls in every corner. True. And like they here, but we haven't we haven't got them. It's, it's about money. At the end of the day, it's all about money. They won't they won't pay. Well, and, and to be fair to the individual guards, Bobby, you know the individual guard, the guard will go where he or she is sent. What do you mean? They have they to go where they're sent. So it's management. It's upstairs is doing that. Well, upstairs don't want to want to get their ass together like really because I tell you, upstairs only cares about themselves. They don't care about the girls that are underneath them. They're doing a tough job. They don't care about the public that are out there, the likes of us, trying to get people home safe. And could you imagine, PJ, if you were driving a taxi and that was you going down to your wife, what would she trust the first thing she'd tell her? Pack it up. Yes, I know. Pack it up. And are there fellas, I'll come back to Junaid in a second, but are there fellas leaving, Bobby? Are there fellas packing it in? Fellas are coming to me and they say, Bobby, I don't know what to do. I, I definitely, definitely not working nights. You can see why they're not working nights. Uh, and during the day, it can be just the same. Yeah. It, it can be. But, like, the girls, the, the girls are getting the blame for this. And as you said, it's the people upstairs and, and our government. They don't care. They are going to get their big fat pensions when they're finished. And that's, all, that's all they're interested in. <sighs> Junaid, yeah. are you nervous about going back to work? Have you gone back to work? I was working last weekend, last Saturday night. I just did Friday and Saturday. But yeah. the way I was working, my door was locked and um, I was in picking up single fella. Yeah. Um, I was. Uh, I wanted to make sure um, if it's uh, like a group of sensible people like you know who not look strong or it's just I wanted to talk before they get in a taxi yes. uh, where they're going to when yeah. I feel safe then I otherwise I wasn't letting anybody yeah. into my taxi have you been to see a doctor I haven't um, I was in bad form uh, and it was Sunday the next day um, the waiting time in the hospital was so long I just couldn't, uh, like, uh, I just, I just took the painkiller. Yeah. And the Monday morning, I was feeling better. Good so, uh, yeah, I didn't bother going to the hospital, okay. actually. Okay. I hope that you're all right. But, Bobby, you, and, you and, and your colleagues have been saying this for years. I can remember, you'll remember it too, Bobby. In fact, I think you might even have been in this studio with me when John Ford was attacked all those years ago. Well, John Ford, if you see what happened to John Ford, I was out with John, and John, John was out in the back garden talking to me, and he was warning crying, and his wife was, and, uh, and the rest of his family, they were all upset. Yeah. Uh, then, then you were John Constant. Like, I, I, grew up, I, I grew up with John. I, I know John since I was a child, and John is a televised fella. So John got an awful beating, and, and they were all left off in adult caution. No wonder they're beating taxi drivers. Yes. It's crazy. Could they know if it was a taxi driver in the morning out for the weekend and he got into trouble with someone and he was brought to court and fined? That taxi driver would be losing his PSV license. But if a fella working in a factory or anything like that, be it the living shit over taxi driver, he still have his job. Yeah, you have. He still have his. He still have his job. 
I know, I know. But it's, it's, it's a disgrace. It's about time now, PJ. Like, the guards are doing what they, they, they can only do. But as you said, it's the, 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 the higher up fellas, superintendents, all them. Where are they in the southern, eh? Where are they? They're sitting down drinking their, their wine, I say. They're not street, I know. <laughs> I, well, I, would, I would hope that at least some of them are on duty, but I, I know what you mean. Bobby, listen... Uh, you, can, you, you've been beating this drum for a very, very long time. Fair play to you, and I think you're probably getting, can, we, you're getting more can, and more we, frustrated as every year goes by. We can, we can, we, we can only, we can only highlight this. And I, I, I'm telling drivers out there all to report everything, everything. Yeah. Yes, keep keep reporting. They're all small, how big it is. Report because I'm afraid. Is it is it like people are telling me, Bobby? Some taxi drivers will get murdered by before they do anything. And that's what you don't want. Do you need? We don't want that. And I, like, uh, we just, you might know the chap actually, uh, Michael Ring passed away the weekend. They are a very well known taxi driver. I heard that, Bobby. And I, like, I, I heard like pass, that. I like to pass on our condolences to the family and what have He was a good friend of mine and Mick had plenty of friends in the taxi industry. He was well known around and Douglas. He was, yeah. Oh, he was, they caught him, the ringer, you know what I mean? He was well <laughs> he known was around a, the Douglas a, area. Yeah, I heard, yeah, I heard about that. I heard, I got a message last night. I was, down, I was down to Marquis last night and I got a message that said that Mick had passed away. My, my, my thoughts my thoughts are with, are with his family sad. and friends. And, and but PJ, look, just tell the drivers, be careful out there. And, uh, like that's that's all we can say, and what happened to that chap is is an absolutely disgrace. Yeah. And like, hopefully, like we we have no door to knock on all because everything is hidden from us. We have an advisory council that's want to see because they can't tell us nothing. Yeah. We can, it's, it, this industry is just a disgrace. Just well, you know what? When fellas who have given their life to it, like you have, are saying that, Bobby, people, some somebody somewhere needs to to, to ship up and and take take notice. Thank you, Bobby Lynch, Cork Taxi. Lastly, back to you, Junaid, briefly. Um, where where may, may I ask where you're from originally, my friend? Uh, Pakistan. Pakistan. And are you here long? Yes. It's been fifteen years. Fifteen years, and you like it. You like it here. Yes. Oh, I love it. Good I man. love it. My family is happy. My everybody's happy. Actually, I have Good friends man. here. Like I have a like. I'm happy here. Actually. Good man. Good man. Well, you know what? Most of us are okay, and you're just lucky. You oh, met one. Man. You met one of the bad guys. You're just so lucky. No, I like it. if if somebody even some foreigner even ask me like you know. How you like living in Ireland? I say I delight. Like I'm loving it. Like Irish people are nice. They are quite welcoming. Good you man. are one of us. Welcome yeah. to Ireland. These kind Absolutely. of like Absolutely. people are like you know cheering Absolutely. up. Great. Thank you for no. D- thank you for doing your services. Like you know stuff yeah. like this. Then thank you for speaking to us, Junaid, and I wish you well, and I hope that you recover from your, your injuries. And it would be great if that guy was caught. Unfortunately, probably chances are. That he, that he won't be. Uh, Junaid and Bobby Lynch from the Taxi Council. And Bobby and I have spoken over the years about many assaults. I think of John Ford. He mentioned John Constant to me, fellas who are just got an awful battering uh, just doing their job uh, as taxi drivers. It's, it's, it's scandalous. John O'Donovan says there was no shortage of guards. People mentioning guards at the f- uh, summer show. Uh, there was no shortage of guards for the water protests or for the Debenhams protests. It's not a shortage, it's priorities. They've Drew Harris coming down now. Unfortunately, that'll be just a, 
PR exercise. Well, Drew Harris is attending the Joint Policing Committee. Today, is it today or tomorrow? Today, I think. At the invitation of Lord Mayor Deirdre Ford. Um, whatever will come out of that, I do not know. I think news are attending that JPC. We'll hear if anything in particular comes out of it. But thank you for that, John. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. What country do Rolex watches come from? Is she on 9 out of 10 yet? 9 out of 10 right now. Oh my God. Oh no. I'm wrong, aren't I? I'm wrong in thinking that we had that conversation about Rolex. They have their headquarters in Geneva in Switzerland. Yeah. Oh. But they were founded in the UK. You've just won two thousand I can't believe it. Congratulations, you aced it. 10 out of 10. A couple of guesses along the way, but you are the latest winner of 2,000 euro, and we are absolutely buzzing for you. Well done. Thank you so much. Thank you. Stacking up the cash. 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 The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96 FM. Come back to Sophie's email that started a whole conversation which we had in our first hour this morning. Loads more comments. I will try to get to the rest of them before we finish today. If not, I'll come back to them tomorrow. Uh, But first of all, Mary. Mary, you're trying to find someone. uh, An old friend. um, From from when? Good morning. Good morning to you and thanks for having me on your show. Delighted, delighted. Who are you trying to find? I'm trying to find... uh, a lady called Margaret Manning Hurley. Her maiden name was Manning and her married name is Hurley. And why I'm trying to trace her is she was one of my group in 1973 when we commenced training as nurses in St. James's Hospital in Dublin. And we're about to have our 50th reunion, our 50th year reunion. And we're trying to trace Margaret to join us. We have everybody. She's the only one outstanding. How how many are are in the group, Mary? There was 18 of us. There are now 16. Two have passed. And um, we're meeting on the 4th of July. And uh, we've all been in contact with each other. Thank goodness. And uh, Margaret, our Mags Manning, we called her. And she was originally from Bandoff in Ballyvolane and uh, when she was where she was born and reared. And then when she was married up till we don't know when she left Bishopstown, but she has been in Bishopstown uh, in, I don't know, about uh, five or six years. After finishing her training with you in St. James's and the group, where did she go to practice as a nurse, do you know? The Mercy Hospital in Cork. I see. And and to the best of your knowledge, is that where she stayed? Yes, as far as we know, because uh, one of the girls, Lily, whom she knows well, um, was in contact back then and she was in the Mercy Hospital. Right. And she has three children, two girls and a boy. 
And when was the last time someone actually had contact with her? I think it's, oh, it's a long, long time ago. I'd say it must be 20 years ago. I see, I see. But And I know that yeah. two of your group have passed away, and I'm sorry to hear that. But to, yeah. to the best of your knowledge, Mags is still with us. Yes, yes. Okay. And would she be... We know from her, like we've tried tracing her numerous ways um, through contacts and through Facebook and that. And um, she does, she's not active on Facebook, but okay. we think there are associates that she has been, you know, right. seen on Facebook. Last known, last known to live in Bishopstone, uh, Two Last known, yes. Two girls. Yeah. Do we know how old her kids would be now, maybe? Have any idea? Uh, I'd They'd imagine. Be grown up, I suppose, yeah, oh, definitely. They'll be in their 30s, probably. Right. Late 30s, maybe even 40, you know. I see. I see. Uh, because we know she got married uh, not long after she trained. Right. So... Um, so it would be similar there, is, to my is own. There, is there a possibility that she might have? Well, she did she take her manning her 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 married name into the workplace, or did she? Can I just know this from some of my work in, in in adoption circles that sometimes people take a married name into the workplace and they lose track of the so-called maiden name. Do you know if she if she, yes. if she took her married name into her workplace? Well, she would have taken her maiden name when she commenced working in the Mercy and probably then when she got married, she would have changed to Hurley. I see. I'm sure because yeah. all of us that time did. Uh, you didn't keep your maiden name then, you know, in the 70s and the 80s. It's yes. only recently people have kept their maiden names. Yes, yes. And yeah. that, you change know. It, change it on so, the books at work and everything like that. So she, she would have been, yes. she would have graduated from St. James's as Mags Manning. She would have gone into the Mercy in the early, Mercy. late 73, early 74 as Mags. No, she's gone into uh, the Mercy in late 76. Oh, late 76. We finished our training. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mis 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 misinterpreted that. Your, the tra your training finished in 76. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. You began and, in 73. Uh, yes. So she would have gone into the Mercy yeah. in, in 76, late 76. As late 76. From yes. Bandoff in Balavalan then known to live yes. in Bishopstown for a number of years, worked at the Mercy yes. throughout her career. Well, unless she changed in between or anything like right. that, she might have, um, um, you know, branched off right. into and, a speciality and, maybe or maybe into the community. But right. we do know that she was so in she, the Mercy. And she would have gone into yeah. the workplace as Mags Manning and then she would have become yes. Mags Har Margaret, I assume Mags Hurley. Yes. So if anybody can remember yeah. or knows or whatever happened to a Mags, a Mags Manning, or, <laughs> if she's, that, if she's yes. listening, a Mags Manning or a Mags yeah. Hurley, who was a nurse, or her children, yeah. who would be, we'd say, in their yeah. 30s now, um, can let us yeah. know where she might be. Her old friends from St. James's in 1973 want to have a get-together on the 4th of July. 
Yes, that's it. Perfectly. <laughs> okay. We we celebrate each year now that we're well and we all worked. Um, I've been in contact with, we're all joined together now and all of us worked through the COVID and everything. A lot of us were, um, a lot of the girls were retired. I never retired until last year. Mm. And um, we, but they came back into the workplace and worked in the in COVID, uh, doing the vaccines and the so testing people, and all that. So many people did that. Yeah. So many people yeah. did that. It was uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Mary Keenan. And you know, so you're, is your married name uh, My Keenan? maiden name. Right. My na- maiden name was Duncan. Duncan. D-U-N-C-A-N. Okay. Very Mary good. Duncan. Very good. So, and yeah. Okay. Right. We'll summarize it again. And if anybody knows of or can give us some hint of the whereabouts of Mags Manning, who went on to be Mags Hurley, who was a nurse who trained in St. James's. We'll see what we can do, Mary, and if anyone can come back to us with information, if we can find her, locate her, track her down, whatever the news is, uh, then maybe we can help you to meet your old friend again. So that's Mary Keenan, who would have been Mary Duncan, back in the 70s at St. James's Hospital in Dublin, when they were all training to be nurses, three-year course. They would have graduated in 76. Margaret Manning, or Mags Manning, from Bandoff in Balavalan was in that class and she went on to work at the Mercy Hospital. She moved to and lived for many years, we understand, in Bishopstown. She has three children, two girls and a boy, and they can't find her. They want to have a reunion in July, 4th of July, of the class of 73. And we can put you in touch with Mary if you can help. Our numbers, 0818-969696-0833-996696. Or indeed, you can email us, opinion at 96fm.ie. If you know or you knew Margaret Hurley, Margaret Manning, Mags Hurley, Mags Manning, originally from Bellevillean, lived for many years in Bishopstown, nursed in the Mercy would have nursed originally under the name Manning, and then, because people changed their name more frequently then, would have nursed under the name Mary or Margaret Mags Hurley. Let us see what we can do. Stranger things have happened. 0818 96 96 96. Let me go back to, let me go back to Sophie and some of the stuff that came in. So Sophie emailed us on Friday. And she is working from home four days a week. And there's a little lad a couple of doors down who she believes is on the spectrum. And when he plays in the backyard, he screams. And she said, look, he's a lovely kid, but he screams at the top of his voice. And she's finding it hard to work. She got on to us to know what would people advise. Then we heard from William, who was on the other side of that discussion, as in he has an autistic boy. And as a result of the the lad's behaviours, William, believe it or not, and his family are now facing eviction, and it's gone legal, and it's an awful thing. We also heard from Mary, who had some other understanding. But some people were just... There are trade-offs to working from home. Anyone with the the get-in-the-office attitude is backwards, but working from home is going to become more common now. Not less common, but if you're lucky enough to avail of it, there are 
differences. There are challenges. One of them is working with residential noise. Sophie is just going to have to work inside from time to time. Tell her to buy a fan. Good morning, PJ. Oh my God, I can't believe I missed Sophie's story on Friday. As a parent of two autistic boys, I can only say these people have no clue what us as parents go through on a daily basis. The trampoline and YouTube is all they have. Buy a bloody fan and keep your mouth shut, woman. Don't really know that many jobs that would require tanning in the backyard. It's part of it. It's just ridiculous. Every day is a struggle for us. We didn't choose this for ourselves or our kids. Are we that excluded? And does the rest of society want us to go and hide in the bushes, making us carry the shame that isn't ours to carry? I'm shaking with fury here. Good luck to William as well. God bless and stay strong. And that is from from Carol. We have a similar issue, PJ, but it's indoor noise all day and often at night. It's a council house. We can do nothing. We own our house. It's been a few years now. and trying to go to work. Literally no sleep most nights. I know it's not the child's fault, but I'm totally distressed. The other children are fine, but it's very, very hard. At this point, we're at the end of our tether. We may just have to move. <clears throat> Another uh, phone call. Just come outside the situation for a second. These children should have proper facilities to play. Ask the families now what they need before this becomes critical. Do a survey of all the suitable graduates who are not working. Do a survey to find out what the need is. Boost the training as necessary. If this isn't done, what will happen when they do eventually go and implement people will avoid the job because they'll be spread too thinly among the children. I get the point. Finn says, PJ, Sophie can go to the library or she can go to the office. Just let the child alone. For God's sake. Love the show. Uh, PJ, whoever told this family they have to move should be ashamed of themselves. It's about William. God love that family. If it was me, I wouldn't move at all. That's discrimination. Count your blessings, says John. Sophie, count your blessings that you're not in in their shoes. As I said, not a whole pile of love in the room for Sophie. Aileen in Middleton says, why don't the taxis operate back seat only? The front door is locked and a screen in between the front and the back of the vehicle. That would be much safer for drivers. Lots of them do now, Aileen. And during COVID, they all did because of the COVID situation, and they put in screens. But at the same time, you're right about that. You can make the car safer for yourself. That's true, you can. But could we also please stop fellas from turning on taxi drivers and beating them up over a few quid? Because if people behaved themselves properly when they sat into a taxi, you wouldn't need any of that. But thank you. Uh, I've got a text requesting me to pay a toll charge. It's from an 089 number. Yes, that is a scam. If you didn't go through a toll of late, even if you did, the chances are that is a scam. 0818969696. Let me look at that for a second. The regulator, Comreg once action taken now and legislation changed if needed to clamp down on the amount of scams going around they did some research on the number of scams out there this is scary in 2022 there were 365,000 cases of fraud as a result of scam calls and scam texts that's a thousand scam calls and scam texts a day catching people 5,000 businesses were victims of fraud through scam calls and scam texts. Comreg 
has now put forward a set of its own proposals. No, no, no need to go into the detail of them. But they would require phone operators to implement a number of technical interventions, as they call them, to combat scam calls and texts. Well, here's hoping that happens and happens soon. And Comrade said one or two of them may require changes to legislation. So let us see where that goes. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Parks 96 FM. Well, it's a fabulous conversation this morning. We'll podcast it later with, um, with Susan Galvin, who is now 10 years sober and she talked about her battle with alcohol and trying to, to deal with it and come to terms with it and still how she said she love she would love a drink but she will never drink again and she came up with probably one of the best lines I've ever heard in terms of sobriety she said and she's 10 years sober the other day and she says I'm sober since I woke up this morning and that's 10 years on Brilliant story. We'll, we'll podcast it later. Hi, great listening to Susan, says this message. Coming up to six years now, one day at a time. Thank you. Well done to you. You need to want it more than anything else in your life, and you always need to put it first. I've never looked back, but life isn't perfect. It's not meant to be. Now I face problems, and I don't run from them because of the help I got in Tabor and the love and care I got in AA. Thank you for that. 0818-969696. Now, I have two photographs in front of me on the desk. They're off Facebook. They're from the My Lovely Horse Cork Facebook page. And I seem to remember we did talk about this with My Lovely Horse at the time. And a horse found in a terrible state uh, in County Tip. Um, but that horse, who is now known as Woody won second place in his class at the Cork Summer Show. And on the My Lovely Horse Rescue Cork Facebook page is a picture of the state in which the poor devil was found late last year. And then he's there with Oriana. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Hi, Oriana. Congratulations on second place with your lovely horse at the summer show how did you come to be the owner of Woody uh, well I my Bessie actually so I went into the she has a couple of rescues of her own and she went to them and just thought wow that would be the perfect horse for Oriana and are you aware of are you aware of his history yeah it was Terrible. It was just awful what happened to him. Yeah. You're still in school, aren't you? What age are you? Yeah. I'm 13. I'm 13. And you've been riding horses all your life for? For about three years now, I think. Very good. Very good. Yeah. And Woody's, Woody's story was tough, wasn't it? Really tough. It was. I can't imagine that happening to any animal. It's cruel. Yeah. Yeah. So. When you entered him for the summer show, what did you have to do? Was it is it show jumping or what was it? It was around basically. Okay, okay. You would, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about horse riding, Ariana. I would probably yeah. fall off if I even tried to climb on a horse. Um. So, so what did you, what did you have to do? Um. So I just had to trot and walk him around. Um, and show them off to the judges. Right. 
He's a beauty. He's a yeah. real beauty. And he came second second in his class. And there you stand. You're very proud, aren't you? I'm very proud. It was a great result for his first show. So, was he healthy when you got him, or how did you bring him back to health? Uh, he wasn't. He was very thin. You could see his ribs. Um, so, winter, we just fed him up with hay, and then when he was fit enough, started training him. I see. See, so uh, you need a lot of extra love for an animal like that, don't you? Yeah, you do. Yeah. Were you worried about him when you got him first? Like that you wouldn't be able to bring him back to full health? Yeah, he looked really terrible, but I just kept positive and worked mm. through it. Good. Was there just something about him, like that said, "I there's, I yeah." Yeah, it, he was just. So kind and quiet. Just a lovely horse. Yeah, yeah. And like getting riding him then afterwards, like he had been so badly treated, tied to a sulky, raced yeah. on the road. And like, was he nervous when when you went to get up on his back? Do you think he remembered what he'd been through? I don't think so. Because the first time we got up, he just was quiet as a lamb. Really, um, he wouldn't hurt a fly. Gentle little fella. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, it's wonderful to speak to you and well done, not just in getting him back to health, getting back and working with him, but congratulations on second place at the summer show. Thank you so much. You're more than welcome. Take care and rest the best to your mum, Jackie, as well, for letting us use her phone to, to call. That's Oriana. She's 13 years of age, the new owner of Woody. And Woody was rescued by my lovely horse rescue in Clonmel in October last and he was in a desperate state. The owners had taken their cart and run away and just left him there, collapsed on the side of the road to die. And my lovely horse rescue Cork, when they saw what happened at the weekend, they said, you know what, this is why we work so hard to do what we do, to give them back the life that they deserve. Absolutely. We were hoping to talk to, to Kelly from uh, My Lovely Horse Rescue, but they're a bit tied up this morning, which is fine too. That's it. I think I think we are done. We are indeed done. It's been a busy Monday. Programme edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. And we'll talk to you tomorrow, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM.